Hello, everybody. Today, my interview is with Claudia Garcia. I asked Claudia if I could interview her because she has an interesting perspective on drug diversion and substance abuse. Claudia's background is an OR nurse, and this is the arena that she practiced in until her life changed over the course of a few months, roughly seven to eight months. One of her colleagues had developed a substance abuse problem, and she found herself very often at the bedside with that colleague, a nurse anesthetist. The colleague was still a high performer, but started showing signs of depression, anxiety, becoming more disconnected from the team. Claudia, thank you for joining me today. It's my pleasure. I know this is, I know it's an emotional topic and I really appreciate you sharing with us. Give us some insight into what changes you started seeing and what was going through your mind? What were you attributing those behavioral changes to? So in the beginning, I, you know, it's, it's hard because you're not always looking for addiction. So in the beginning, I just thought that maybe he was overworked. He was stressed out with the job because he does have a high demanding job and there's a lot of stress and there, there's a lot of just chaos sometimes in the OR. You know, sometimes we have emergency cases, sometimes we have unstable patients. So we were working in a hospital where a lot of our patients were sick. So oftentimes I thought the reasons why he was disconnecting and just being different, it was all related to the stress and just the demand of the job. So at any time, did you think it might be substance abuse or was it the furthest, furthest thing from your mind or did it take a while and maybe you started thinking that might be the case? Well, you know, in the beginning, I definitely did not even suspect that, you know, and, and I think as, as a professional and as a nurse, you don't ever expect your colleagues to go through something like that. You don't think that they're going to develop an addiction or divert medications from the hospital or go to work impaired or anything like that. So it was the furthest thing from my mind. But I thought more, you know, it was just, de you know, depression and anxiety. And it wasn't until, you know, a few months where I started noticing some behavioral things where he was disconnecting. He wasn't eating lunch with the staff. He was just short and moody and his whole personality had changed. And, you know, my colleague was just a completely different person from what, what I knew him as to what he became. So it was just so apparent to everyone that something was going on. But again, I thought it was related to the job. Sure. And you bring up a good point. I think especially in procedural areas, but definitely on, you know, medicine, nursing units, it is a cohesive team and you are a family. And that is the last thing that you want to think. And, you know, I've, I've observed in procedural areas before and oftentimes the attitude is, well, we're, we're a family. That's not going to happen. I don't need to watch that person for that. I trust them completely. So I, I hear what you're saying. Did you share your concerns with anybody or did anybody share concerns with you or did everybody just kind of keep their mouth shut and you know inside they were wondering what is happening here well you know once i figured out that he was in trouble and he had an addiction problem i didn't know what to do i honestly didn't um my hands were tied i i have a unique perspective because not only was i his uh, colleague and co-worker but i was also his partner i was in a relationship with him so it made it even harder for me to ask for help so what i did is i confided in one of his colleagues another crna another nurse anesthetist who i thought well maybe this person could help me maybe they know procedural wise what do you do who do I call? Who do I tell? And, you know, the last thing I wanted was, of course, for a patient or anyone to get hurt. But I also didn't want to ruin his career because what if I was wrong? 
because there's always that possibility as well. So I did confide in another CRNA who I you know, shared some of my suspicions and my concerns. And she also, you know, in the beginning, she didn't, she wasn't really sure. She said, you know, I'm not really sure, but let me watch his behavior. And let me just watch some of the stuff he's doing clinically. And after a few weeks, she came to me and said, you know, I think you're right. I think something is going on. And we both tried in our, you know, we made our best attempt to try to get him help. I remember speaking to his director and I even said, hey, something's going on with him. I didn't throw him under the bus and, because, again, I didn't know exactly what was going on. But I did say, look, something's off with him. I'm concerned about his mental health. Can you do something, maybe review his charts or have a chat with him? Do something. And they did. They did some chart audits and they came back to me and said, you know what? He's fine. Maybe it's just stress and anxiety. So again, you know, I made the attempt to try to get him help. But at the time, I really didn't know who to call or what to do. Okay, so that's interesting. Yes, what Claudia mentioned is that this this was her husband, um, and so she was definitely closer to to the event than just as a peer and as a colleague. That's nice that you had somebody that you could go to, another CRNA, to assist you because at that point you knew something was off, but you you wanted somebody else to to kind of corroborate that and to make sure that you weren't crazy, right? Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and you're seeing, were you seeing things at home as well, in addition to in the OR? Yes, absolutely. You know, I, yeah. I would watch, you know, just the same thing, the same thing that I would see at work, I'd see it at home. He was disconnected. He was sleepy all the time. He was just short with everyone. He had very short fuse, which is not like him. He's a very happy, jolly guy, and he's very positive and very helpful. But when he starts getting snippy and moody and, you know, that was just not him. So I knew something was off, but um, those were the main things that I that I witnessed when when he was at home was just the disconnect the disconnection and just you know isolation and not wanting to be around the family and the kids and things like that. Okay, probably very hard to separate because you saw things at home. So you may have noticed more at work than other people did because you knew it was also happening at home. Correct. Can you think of other things that he was doing at work? that you said not eating lunch with people anymore and a little bit more moody. Were there other things? Obviously, he was still performing because the other CNR, CNRA, CR, you know, you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah, um, was reviewing charts and everything was looking fine. So he was performing from that perspective. But is there anything else that you can remember that you noticed? Yes, he actually, he would disappear a lot. He would just one minute he was in the center core in the break room and then no one could find him. Everyone's calling him overhead and he's nowhere to be found. Um, he wasn't taking a lot of breaks. So he was always breaking people, but didn't want to want to take any breaks. He wanted to do multiple cases back to back. He wanted to come in early, stay late. He was, you know, at, people on the surface, you see that as, wow, this is a high performer. He wants to work at work. He wants to take my vacation and he wants to pick up shifts and I want to go home to my kids and he wants to stay and finish the, all the cases at the end of the day. Most people don't want to do that because they want to get home to their families. So he, his priorities have ch had changed. And I noticed it right away that something's off here. He enjoyed going home, wanted to get out at three o'clock, four o'clock, and now it's five, six, seven o'clock. And he's still hanging around wanting to do any, any emergency case that would come through. So those are a lot of the things that some people would see as, wow, this guy is a high performer. But on the other side, that's also a red flag because he was going above and beyond to the point where he was compromising his physical and mental health 
And sometimes we see that as, hey, he's a good performer. But again, he was just really not taking care of himself. It was obvious to me. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. So those are some key warning indicators for everybody out there to to keep an eye on and to listen for. I had a case recently and that was the response from the supervisors and the physicians like, oh, no, she's aggressive in a good way. She always wants the difficult cases. She has no problem taking extra cases. She, you know, and for them, yes, it was good. For me, it was warning bells were just like screaming in my head. Right. Okay, what would you say the culture was at the hospital at the time? I mean, you felt comfortable going to another colleague and then you mentioned that you went to his supervisor. Was that something that you, it, was it because you had a close relationship with those people and you felt comfortable that it would be in confidence? I mean, what were your thoughts as to where is this gonna go and what could this mean for me, my husband, my family, his career? So I felt, you know, the culture in, in the OR where we worked, I felt like it was more like a family culture. Everybody cared about everyone and we were all very close. We we're a small department. We only had six ORs, so we were small. And, you know, I confided in his friend because I did trust her. I, you know, I confided in the, in the director because I trusted him. And I felt like I did trust everyone in the facility that I didn't feel like I couldn't say something to someone and something would blow up. I felt very comfortable. And where did I see it going? I... I just, I didn't know at the time, there's a lot of confusion. And when you start suspecting your loved one and your colleague, at the same time, this colleague that you love is doing something that's hurting them themselves, you don't know what to do. And I think at the time I was just reaching out with hopes that they would be able to do something that I couldn't do because I had a very interesting, unique perspective and relationship with him that sometimes I'm, you know, you're being the nagging wife or you're complaining about little things and, they could see things differently because they didn't live with him. So I, I went to them hoping that maybe something different would happen. You know, I, a few times I said something to Regal. I said, look, something's going on. Are you okay? Every time, you know, of course, someone in active addiction, it's they're in denial. It's not an easy thing for them to talk about. So he never admitted to it in the beginning. He denied and denied. And, you know, I thought, well, maybe he'd open up to a friend or a colleague. And no, I mean, that that didn't happen. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Did they confront him? You said they reviewed charts. Did they sit him down, have a conversation? Was there any detailed audit done on anything at all? Not no. that I know of. No. Um, no. Yeah. I know his friend did speak to him. And again, you know, he kind of used, you know, he was so sick that he was playing us against each other. Oh, she's saying this and she's saying this. And then we were both like questioning did you say that when some of the things, I don't think we said some of the things, but right. I think there was a lot of manipulation, but that's so common when someone's in the throes of an addiction. Right. So looking back, is there something that you recognize that you could have done differently that maybe would have gotten to the heart of the matter sooner or any lessons learned that you would like people to know? Oh, absolutely. You know, in hindsight, of course, um, I look back, you know, and I think back, you know, with everything we went through and had I known then what I know today, I would have absolutely done things differently. There's, there's no reason I wouldn't have waited a day, not even 24 hours. I would have 
See, I think a lot of us are not familiar with some of the regulations and the alternative uh, monitoring programs in each state. Most of our states do have an alternative program, and these programs are there to help people in situations like this. So had I known about the alternative to discipline program, which in Indiana, it's called the Indiana uh, Professionals Recovery Program. I would have called them and had, you know, I would have said, hey, my name is so-and-so. I'm concerned about my colleague. This is what I'm suspecting. And then give it to someone. And they would have opened up an investigation and they would have called the employer. And yeah, he may have, he probably would have gotten in some trouble, but these programs are there to help people. They're not there to throw people in jail or to hurt people. So I think a lot of us are scared to report our colleagues because we don't know what those ramifications are. And we also don't know if what if we're wrong. And I will tell you in the past, in my experience, some people have been wrong. Someone's just a really bad charter and they're not charting their medication. And all of a sudden they're being investigated or they have to go for a comprehensive assessment. But then they find out, you know what, at the end of all that, you're just a bad charter. You're not someone using drugs, which, you know, I'll tell you as a, as a professional and as a nurse, if someone suspected me and pulled me in and said, hey, we have to do a hair test, we have to do a drug test, we want to do an assessment, and I know that I'm innocent, I would say, okay, if I didn't chart my meds, I get it. It's procedural, do it. So I think when people get defensive, sometimes I do feel that, you know, I know there's a violation, you feel invaded, but at the end of the day, there are so many people struggling that, you know, you have to do what's right. And, you know, so I think I would have sought out some professional help versus going to just a friend or a colleague and, you know, after I got my response from the director that he was fine, I probably would have called and done more and had the professionals come in and intervene because they would have known what to do. That's an interesting perspective. Yeah, I've been hearing that more and more lately that it's very important to make sure that staff know what resources are out there. Because, I mean, I think we know, okay, the Board of Nursing has a program and they'll work with you, but it seems that that information is really not enough information for people to feel comfortable with that. Um, and I'm not, I mean, do you have any suggestions on how to get that word out to people? Is it just part of the new employee orientation and their annual modules that they have to do, like specifics? Or how detailed do you think that message needs to be in your state, how to get help for the different disciplines? I do believe that during uh, new hires and orientation, that would be a really good time to do it. And also, if you did annual competencies, you know, as a nurse, the hospitals have requirements and we have to do these these training modules every year that if you keep hearing it and you keep seeing it and you give our staff and you empower staff to help their colleagues and maybe it's reporting or you know knowing the protocol because i think that was probably the hardest my challenge was i don't even know the protocol the chain of command who do i call and i think had i known hey, this is how someone can get help. This is who you call. Maybe it's you call your HR and the HR will intervene, pull them out of work, do a drug test, call the monitoring program. I think had I known that there was uh, an algorithm, I think I would have, I mean, absolutely I would have done it, but I honestly at the time didn't know anything about it. Yeah, that's a good point too, because I think we feel like just naturally we would go to the supervisor. But then if it ends at the supervisor and nothing is done about it, yeah. then and then most of the time the supervisors are biased as well. So that's an interesting thought is perhaps the protocol, obviously, if it, you know, go to the supervisor, but everyone needs to know this is how you escalate if they don't give you the action that you think is necessary for the good of this person. Right. Yes. 
So you have taken your experiences and you are now a certified addiction drug and alcohol counselor and a licensed addiction counselor. You and Rigo have started the Parkdale Center, which is a recovery center for healthcare professionals. And you're really taking that uh, experience that you've had together and you're doing something very positive with it, which I think is a really great thing. Is there anything that you want to share additional to people out there that are maybe observing something or those of us that are in the arena where I am, where we're kind of in charge of investigating and monitoring just the data? I mean, we're not working with the people. We see the data. Any suggestions that you would give us as to how to approach things? Sure. I think the big thing is um, just knowing that, you know, if, if someone's in trouble, you know, we owe it to them and ourselves to, to try to get this person help. And as difficult and as challenging as it could be, there's a way out. And I think a lot of people, especially when you love your coworkers, sometimes you spend more time with your coworkers than you do with your own families. So we develop these really healthy connections and we love our colleagues and our friends and we don't want to see anybody get in trouble. But at the end of the day, it's about, you know, wellness. And it's about taking care of our colleagues and, and being in this together. So absolutely. I think if, if, if you can walk away with anything today is there's help for people. And I've seen some great success stories that just because someone's in trouble, it doesn't mean that they can't get their life back. That's great. That's a great message. All right. Thank you, Claudia, very much for your time today. I've enjoyed having you. Well, thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.